Hey there, folks. Before we start today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, I'd just like to remind you guys that you can check out my daily sports column. It's free by going to sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. You can just check out my Twitter to find the link there. Go check out chasethomaspodcast.com. There's a link on that page. Uh, But yeah, go check it out every day. New sports story in your email inbox. Uh, Yeah, go tell a friend, share it out, send it to anyone else you think would uh, like the newsletter. But yes, every single day, go to sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Just Google Sports Renaissance Man, Chase Thomas, whatever you're most comfortable with, go do that. Uh, If you are an Apple Podcast listener, don't forget to leave this show a five-star rating and review. Uh, It's important uh, to help the show continue to grow. And last thing, uh, very quickly, but uh, please email me at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com to... Uh, get your mailbag question in or any other questions that you might have about the show, about the column, anything like that. Uh, new mailbag columns go up every Friday. Uh, if you have any questions for the weekly shows that you would like us to answer on air, whether it's John Taylor on Wednesdays, Evan Swords on Mondays, the sports reporters on Fridays, uh, make sure to get those questions in and we'll read them on the show or I'll answer your questions in the mailbag on the newsletter. So, Go do that. Uh, again, that's Chase Thomas Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, leave the show a five star rating and review. Follow on Apple Podcasts if you can. Uh, I think that's it. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a Monday evening. Here on the Chase Thomas podcast, I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined, as I am every single Monday night, Evan Swords of 49ers Hub. Evan, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing so good, man. How are you? I got my tea. Got my hot tea. Yeah, I know yeah. you You took shots, the blueberry. I will have you know this was not blueberry. Um, I think it's a mixed berry. Uh, I think I like blueberry, though. I want you to know that. I like your tea situation. It's a fun thing to poke around at, but like, I think the tea situation at night is a really good look. Tea's incredible. Tea is so underrated, and it's so calming. Like A good chamomile ooh, goes a long way. Um, I, I squeezed in an episode of Sexy Beasts before uh, this podcast with a girlfriend real quick. Um, have you watched any of that? This the sexy beat. No, I haven't really watched. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. They, they, they go on blind dates, but they have to wear like this, uh, like crazy makeup costume. Like you wear a costume. Essentially. It looks like furries going on dates. (laughs) Oh God. No, I I don't want to, I want nothing to do with that. Is it like the mask singer or whatever, but with dating? Yes. Okay. It's incredible. Great. Look, enjoyed it a lot um I, i'm here for it um the ladies got me into all kinds of reality like it's a great escape like i i very much enjoy like love is blind incredible love love is blind i don't know what that is oh i miss her so much i miss I, there we're gonna have listeners who who know exactly what i'm talking about what is your guilty pleasure then we talk about well, like, we know each other pretty well evan but like what is your what is your guilty pleasure what um when you're not doing two and a half hours killing some calories working working at a day job um hitting the pool hitting some white claws on the weekend like what is your guilty pleasure i mean so really right now and i think it's just like a a a, a matter of circumstance like 
I think we talked about it, right? During the beginning of the pandemic, like when like I, you couldn't hang out with anyone, like it was like literally March 2020 is also when Call of Duty's like uh, Warzone mm-hmm. game came out, right? And like, so like in the beginning, it was just like, well, this is a way for all the homies to, to hang out, right? So we all bought the game and we all started playing. And then like, like, everybody played in the beginning and then like not everybody played and i'm like fairly decent at the game so like whereas i like got really competitive about it and like i was like oh this is something i'm like half-ass good at this is kind of fun um a lot of some of my friends like stopped playing because it's like i don't give a fuck about this anymore but that's definitely like my guilty pleasure like i have like dalton uh you know the cowboys uh writer from pfn friend of the pod um and uh, some other actually cowboy, like literally it's hilarious. So like Dalton introduced me to uh, basically an entire like armada of Cowboys <laughs> fans and writers that all play this game. So I have like met so many Cowboys fans because of it. But like right now, that's my guilty pleasure. But the reason why that's my guilty pleasure is because I'm just kind of chilling. I'm, I've been renting this room, at, you know, in Santa Monica by the beach and I'm moving into my own spot at the beginning of the month. And, uh, so right now, like, I don't ha- like my TV is literally up against the wall unplugged. I don't have it set up. I don't really watch TV anyways, but I just, you know, not even set up. Um, and I feel like once I get settled into my own apartment, right, I'll probably like, you know, get everything set up, get situated back into my own life. But like, you know, now I like, I'll go ride the bike on the beach. Right. You know, uh, I like, I like walking around in the neighborhood. I'm like literally up against the bottom left corner of Santa Monica, right three blocks from the beach, you know? So like at night, you know, like going and grabbing like ice cream or going and just walking down to the beach, um, little things like that. Right. Kind of getting my old guy on, you know, doing, I've been doing a lot of walking. Oh, please. You're, you're nowhere near the old guy says I'll, I'll be the judge of that. For me, is for me, my hands are still, man. My hands are still in sport mode, right? So they're not mm-hmm. behind the back, right? Mm-hmm. They're in sport mode, sort of in the front, <laughs> ready to go. Uh, so <laughs> pointed out that I had my Crocs behind, and it looked like I was. I admit, it was there for business when I was walking around with some Crocs. Like the the way you adjust the the little handle, I don't know what to call it. That can go up there, like in front of front of your foot or behind it on your heel. And like yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. it sends a different message based on which way. It's yeah, facing. sport mode. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love my Crocs. People, people joke about them until you put them on. You realize your comfortability. Like everything past thirty is about comfortability, man. Dry fits, incredible. Like why do? You, why should you wear anything other than a dry fit ever again? You know, it is very true. I remember when we were growing, like in our twenties, like you know, it was always about Jordans and like mm-hmm. Air Max nineties and Air Max ones and Air Force ones. Some of the most uncomfortable shoes on earth. You know. And then, like, slowly but surely, like, now I wear all my gym shoes or, like, the, like, Nike Epic Reacts, which are, like, they're, like, you know, the Adidas Ultra Boost competitor and, like, all, like, the really just comfy stuff. I'm always in joggers. Even when I go to work, I've got, like, honestly, Chase, I mean this in the most, and there's no, there's no non-weird way to say this. Mm-hmm. I wish you could wear my joggers. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could feel how comfortable <laughs> these joggers that i have are <laughs> oh i was out i was out we were out downtown la when it was like 85 degrees the other day and everyone's like evan oh my god how are you wearing black joggers right now it's so hot out 
I'm like, feel these motherfuckers. <laughs> There's so much airflow. They're just so comfortable. And I, I, I cannot stress it enough. I absolutely love the comfort. Thank you for making it easy on uh, which, which clip I pull from, uh, from this episode. Of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Getting into each other's pants with Evan and Chase. <laughs> I don't think it would work for you. Uh, I don't think I could. I could reciprocate. I think uh, my size yeah. doesn't really work for you. It would probably yeah. be ridiculous. Uh, like I'm a size 29 waist. 29. I think I'm 32. Yeah. Okay. 32. 33. Yeah. Um, tall and skinny man. That's all, all I am. That's all I've ever been. Um, yep. It could be worse. It could be worse. Um, Evan, we have some headlines to hit before we do an NFC West preview. You ready? Yeah, definitely. The Texans. Busy week. I want to combine these because now they are reportedly listening to offers for Deshaun Watson. And you see people who are in the know saying it's going to take like five first round picks, which uh gross. But also... They traded for Anthony Miller because, you know, they need they had some holes. Uh, I don't know if you remember this. They had this guy named DeAndre Hopkins. I've heard I've heard of him. Mm-hmm. And he's also had a capital W week himself on the Twitter.com. But um yeah, the the Texans made a weird like he's probably gone after this year because this is the last year of Anthony Miller's deal. Um, but he is excited about it, and I think he's just excited about not having Trubisky uh, throwing football and maybe Andy Dalton this year. So maybe that's where it is. But then you look at it and you're like, uh, "My man, you're you're going to Davis Mills territory." Um, what do you what do you make of the trade first, and what do you make of Deshaun Watson and the Texans and Nick Casario now listening to trade offers for Watson? Because it looks like. None of this is going to get settled until 2022 because of the hearings and all that. Like, none, this is just going to be floating in the atmosphere. Um, what What do you make of all of this? I mean, so <sighs> Anthony Miller to me is one of those guys. He reminds me of the Devontae Parkers of the world, right? Where like this guy was a very uh, highly touted draft prospect. And then of course he goes to the bears, which is Mitch Trubisky, which is Nick Foles. You know, it's a sad place for receivers and quarterback alike. So I'm, I'm always excited when you hear about a guy like Anthony Miller getting dealt because it's like, fuck, get him out of there. But now he's going to literally the, the worst team in the NFL, right? The team is actual purgatory, you know? Um, so I feel bad for Anthony Miller. I think that's a really unfortunate situation that the second that they get Josh or Justin Fields, that Anthony Miller is getting shipped out. That said, uh, Darnell Mooney is uh, one of the up and coming receivers for the bears. Uh, and I think Anthony Miller's spot and position just didn't really exist there. So it's kind of a lose for Anthony Miller and a win for the Texans, I guess. You know, I don't know. But at the end of the day, um, what Deshaun Watson did or has alleged to do, you know, I don't know if I I think I've told this story before. But, I mean, we all know about the 20-plus charges. We all know all about that. Um, But the one thing for me when it comes to Deshaun is, you know, my buddy who lives in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, who used to play uh, college football in Kansas, um, was at a barbershop the other day, or it was like probably two months, three months ago, something like that. It was like right after that, that information came out. 
and there was uh, an NFL coach and an NFL player getting their hair cut in there. I think they were training at Exos or something like that. And they were all talking about it. Uh, and essentially, the, the they were talking about how it wasn't a surprise. Everyone knew about it. Um, and not only that, but that Deshaun had stolen a massage bench from the team. Like literally stolen a bit like a massage table from his own team. And it was like a bunch of weird stuff about it that was like really insider information. Now, this is all hearsay, who knows? But when you hear like those stories, my point, this is my long-winded point, is I just don't see Deshaun Watson might never come to back to the NFL again. Uh, especially if there's like actual proof here and things like that. And I definitely don't think he plays this year. The fact that he was even back at camp was insanity to me. And I don't know if you like fines reportedly. Right. But did you read like any, so first off you can go on the commissioner's non-exemplist, right? I don't think he can yet. I think there's like a time, like he's going to be on it, but I don't think, I think it's like the timing in the CBA. Like, I don't think he actually can until maybe when training camp actually, like it's something weird. Like you can't officially go on it till a certain date. I seem to recall. Okay, well, but so I don't know about you, but like today, one of the things that was really like kind of gross, mm-hmm. um, you could totally tell that all of the NFL insiders were like basically pushing his agent's information. Yeah. Right? Because there was so many headlines about uh, Deshaun Watson still wants a trade. And uh, the team, the Houston Texans are not willing uh, to, to trade for blah, blah, blah. It's like no one mentioned the, the charges. No one mentioned the accusations, nothing. It was just as if it didn't exist. And it just felt all really dirty. Um, and I just don't know. I don't know. It just, it felt, I don't know. How did you feel when you read all that? Well, I think, I think it's a complete miscalculation by both Deshaun Watson and his camp and also the Houston Texans camp where I don't, I don't know what Nick Casario and Cal McNair think they're going to get for him. Because I think when you look around the league and there's only a handful of teams that still like Deshaun is a top five talent. I think at his position um, at a 92 grade behind that offensive line in Houston and just what he's dealt with in Houston the last couple of years and what he's gotten out of that. Like on the field, we all know what Deshaun Watson is. However, I don't see a path where there is not an insane and rightfully so backlash to a tra- like a team trading for him. Like Denver can look at it all they want. Miami can't, but guess what? Fans are going to lose their minds. And I don't mean lose their minds like uh, erroneously. It's just like, they're going to be like, are you joking? Are you really trading for this guy while the civil stuff is pending? He hasn't gone to trial yet. Like, I don't think any of this is going to go well. So any team that's willing to give up multiple picks, like the just the the optics of that is going to be atrocious. So when I see this, I'm just like, I don't know what world these people are living in. Like you just saw what happened with Chauncey Billups. Like this is going to be significantly worse. This is happening right now. This is on the forefront. People didn't know about Chauncey. Like I remember reading that story a long time ago. I was wondering what, if that was right. Like, I remember all of this, but like, that was tough. Like, I didn't think he was going to get through. I thought him and Olshay were both going to get out. I mean, maybe that's still a possibility. Um, but this is going to be significantly worse for Watson and his camp and the team who trades for him. Like if that happens, like, I don't think anyone in this, in this story 
uh, is living in reality right now. That is my takeaway. No, absolutely not. And at the end of the day, I mean, what is, I'm so, I feel so bad for always forgetting this quarterback's name um, because he, who's the, the, was in the chargers was also a bills quarterback. Who's the, who's the quarterback right now? Tyrod Taylor. Yes. This is Tyrod Taylor's football team is basically what I'm saying. I don't think Deshaun Watson, um, you know, I don't think Deshaun Watson's anywhere near this team for a very long time. No, I don't think so either. I still don't understand the leverage, and I just don't understand any team that's willing to give up this. Like, you may not even be allowed. Like, I, I don't know. I think this is awful, and I think it'd be a bad look by the NFL if he plays this year. Oh, 100%. Um, but they don't care. I, I don't think the NFL cares. That is something we also know. And they'll be like, well, the team did it. Like, it's out of our hands. Um, your 49ers, though. Yeah. Gave Fred Warner, one of your favorites, an extension Evan, uh, what do you make of the extension? Do you like the deal? Any Anything you're scared about it? Is it well-deserved? What for people who do not watch every 49ers game, what are they missing with Fred Warner and why he's worth this amount of money? Okay, so, I mean, I am obviously the biggest 49ers homer in the world, but I need people to understand something if they don't already know this. But I do think it's pretty well-known. Fred Warner is the best linebacker in the NFL. Um, I think his his – tackling obviously you know that's what you expect out of a out of a linebacker is is top notch um but you know his vision his speed his lateral quickness once again top notch but i think what really sets fred apart is his coverage right so pff showed that fred warner um had some of the best coverage in the nfl last year in terms of uh you know covering people i remember in uh gosh I don't remember what game it was, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to dive too far into it. He is just one of the best line. He is to me, the line, best linebacker in the NFL. I don't think it's that far of a straight to say that. I think it's pretty well known at this point. Um, but I, I don't even want to talk about the skill because I do think it's well received and accepted that he's the best linebacker in the NFL. What I want to talk about of why I think this is so important is you look at the history of the 49ers when the linebacker position is one of the most important positions for the 49ers probably of the last decade, maybe longer, right? When you think about how much Patrick Willis meant to this team, when you think about how much Navarro Bowman meant to this team, right? These are two players that were guaranteed Hall of Famers, uh, just consummate pros, great teammates, represented San Francisco perfectly, right? You couldn't really, like Patrick Willis was like the perfect linebacker, like the, you couldn't build a better linebacker than Patrick Willis. And then Navarro Bowman came out and was like, like people were like, is he better than Patrick? Is that blasphemy? Can we say that out loud? Like they were, they were just like such great exemplary examples of the position. Um, and then they got injured and they were gone. And it was, it was heartbreaking for fans and the team and the coach and the owner, all the above. Right. And then they get Reuben Foster who has that top level talent. He had the same, I think, to, you know, like ceiling, if you will, that Willis and Bowman had. Mm -hmm. But as everyone knows, Reuben Foster had a lot of legal troubles and ended up getting cut by the team, got burnt by the team. It was a big lesson. It was basically arguably the first huge lesson that Shanahan and Lynch learned. So when you have Fred Warner, who could be considered the best linebacker in the NFL, and he is. I mean, I, you know, I get it. There's a lot of arguments, I'm and I want to say this I'm out loud. There's, there's a lot of arguments, though, for really good linebackers in the NFL. I think this is a great time for that position. Um, but I, but 
when you have Fred is, that is a stand-up human being, he's a great teammate, right? He came out, and, you know, not the, whether you're you're you agree about vaccinations or not. That's not the argument I want to have. He came out during the press conference when they asked him about it. He said, "Yeah, I'm vaccinated. This is a team sport." He's like, "Not only do I believe in the science and all that," he's like, "But I want to be here for my team, and I don't want to do anything that jeopardizes that." I think it's a, it takes a man to get up on you know on, on a conference um, like that and just say that out loud. So I think I think the 49ers. Uh, could not have signed that extension faster. Uh, it's well-deserved. And and at the end of the day, let's take a look at it, right? The 49ers just extended the best linebacker in the NFL. They've extended the best tight end in the NFL. They've extended the best right tackle, or excuse me, left tackle in the NFL, right? Like, these are some pretty key positions. Yeah. Uh, they all, they also have, you know, Nick Bosa. Bosa coming up soon? Bosa will be coming up soon, too, and this will be a very interesting year. Um, but, you know, so so I think it just continues to solidify these incredibly important positions right before this cap increase is coming in like two years. It's pretty awesome. I hope they saved enough money to add some corners. We'll get to the Niners in the preview because I don't know if you knew this or not, but uh, not great there. Um, Aaron Rodgers turns out uh, he... I think Evan likes being in the news. I think Aaron Rodgers likes uh, being in the news a little bit. And um, Andrew Brandt um, has been right about this all along. Uh, he's great to listen to the business of sports, um, work with the Packers for a long time. He was predicting that this would be it. Aaron would show up and then they would ride out. But this whole last dance thing with him and Devante and um, them going out together and all this and like, it's just, it's very um, theatrical, um, self-indulgent. I, I don't, I don't, I think what's going to help him, I guess, in the long run is that his team still has backed him. Like, it's going to be weird for the coaching staff and for the front office. Like, I think this is just weird and uncomfortable, but like him looking at it as like, this is it. And then we're going to restructure and all this kind of stuff. It's not even about money. It's just about like you letting, making it feasible for me to get out of here after this year being the biggest thing is odd but you know that is what he's doing so it looks like by all accounts he will not retire he's not going to do any of that which would have really stunk like Aaron Rodgers just not playing this year would have been it just would have been sad man he I know you you quote tweeted uh this night about uh excited for him to get eliminated by Shanahan again but the NFC is better when Aaron Rodgers is around. The NFL is better when Aaron Rodgers is around. It's fun to watch Aaron Rodgers play football. And I'm excited that he's going to play this fall. I'm excited for just the stories after this year. Because you know there are going to be so many great stories after this. Like the book that's going to be written about this is just going to be phenomenal. Like there's so much we don't know about what's gone on these last six months with Rodgers and his camp versus the Gutenkunst and the Murphy camp. Like... I am so enthralled about this thing, and I cannot wait to to read this book that eventually comes out on this. But um, what do you make of all this, and did you see it coming? Well, I mean, yeah, I think we all saw it coming. Uh, you look at a, a guy like Rodgers who's been outspoken since the day he became uh, an NFL quarterback, right? He's never been afraid to speak his mind. And I think he cares a lot about loyalty, whether it's deserved or not. You know, I don't care what side of the camp you are on Aaron Rodgers. Um, but – I don't know that he's a guy that likes attention like that. Uh, I do think he is outspoken. I do think he's un- not afraid to speak his mind. 
Um, but I don't think we have to look too far in the past for what I think is a clear justification for all of this. You know, a lot of people talk about, well, there was a possibility that the 49ers, Brandon Ayuk was a, a target of the Packers and that when he got taken before the Packers, they kind of panicked and t- took Jordan Love. But at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers gave them a Super Bowl almost immediately after taking over from Brett Favre, one of the most legendary quarterbacks of all time and obviously the most legendary Packer of all time. So, you know, when you're Aaron Rodgers and you get a Super Bowl that quickly and then you just consistently come up short year after year and you watch this team, you know, not give you the weapons that you need, right? They've never really had a good running back. They've drafted Eddie Lacy. That didn't work out well. Um, every running back since then has been kind of not not a good look. Uh, I think that the the Packers are the kings of getting receivers that are good enough, but in reality, it's really Aaron Rodgers that's doing this. I made the case the other day, and I'll say the same thing. If you take Julio Jones in his prime and Deshaun – or uh, excuse me, Hopkins, um, and you put them with Aaron Rodgers – I think I guarantee that every single year they have better numbers than Devontae Adams. And I think if you take Devontae Adams and you put him into that quarterback carousel that Nuke had to put up with in Houston before Watson, I don't say he puts up nearly the numbers that Nuke put up. So when you think about Devontae Adams is considered one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, obviously next in line to become the you know the highest paid receiver. I'm not saying he's bad. He's obviously top four, top three, but I just think that all of the weapons that Rodgers has had over the years has been, you know, these are people that are doing well because of Rodgers as much as their own success. And I think it's similar in Seattle when you look at what Russell Wilson has done with Doug Baldwin and, um, you know, some of the some of those receivers who I've since forgot about. Um, so I, I think Rodgers has a lot of reason to be upset. When they drafted Love instead of a weapon, when they went that entire season last or that entire draft last year without drafting a single wide receiver, right? This year, obviously, they did a, a pretty good uh, job of getting him some weapons, and and obviously, maybe it's a little too late. But I don't consider I consider Rodgers going. No, I'm fucking out of here. And now look what happened. Him going, I am out of here, made the team come back and void. A year of the contract just to get him to come back and play this year. That's how serious Rodgers was. Rodgers was like, yeah, I'll give you one last year, but after this, I'm out. No trade clause, no franchise tag, I'm out. And that was, uh, like, we've talked about this, right? We had a, a conversation about this before, but, like, players are getting power. They're getting a lot more power nowadays than they've ever had before. And, like, Rodgers straight up said, Fuck you guys. I won't come to camp. I'll retire. And they were like, well, we have no leverage here. How about this? You play one year and we'll void your other. We'll void your next year. Do you want to revisit my chases pro corporation? 15 minute discussion from a few weeks back. I mean, I think the people know where you stand. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good times. Good times. Um, last thing. And we'll, we'll get to our NFC West preview. Evan um, Chandler Jones. This is going to affect our Arizona portion of the podcast, but um, he wants out. Remember, I, we talked about this during the off season of just like who they paid and the fact that contract stuff was not going well a few months back, and that 
Chandler Jones was just not on their radar. And it was like, oh, if they're just not going to pay him, then he's going to want out. Like, he's looking for a long-term deal. He's earned it. He's been, I think he leads the league in sacks in the last 10 years. Like, he has done everything asked. He's one of the rare former Patriots to still be awesome or actually be better when he leaves the team um, on the defensive side of the ball, Tom Brady excluded and stuff like that. But like, I, I think he's really valuable. Like I wish the Falcons could afford him if we weren't still in the red cap wise. Like I'm just like, uh, uh, all I'm doing is just starving for Justin Houston. Uh, for a year. <laughs> like I, I have no dreams of a Chandler Jones, but a lot of teams should. Um, your team could use him. I don't think they'll trade him within the division, but like, God no. I I'm curious. I mean the 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 Seahawks. Like the Seahawks are gonna have Carlos Dunlap, and I forgot who is on the other side. Do you remember off the top of your head who's on the other side right now uh, for that defensive line? Um, it's uh, two guys. It's two. Let's remember some guys, and I don't know why I'm blanking. Um, well, they so they they stole the 49ers, Kerry uh, Hyder, mm. and Kerry Hyder was one of the better. Uh, I don't know if that's exactly who you're talking about. They also have Robert in in Dim in Kim Dim DJ. Do they have Kim Dichi? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Kerry Kerry Hyder was the guy that took over uh, when Bosa went out with the 49ers and genuinely was very good. Um, I would imagine Kerry Hyder to start. It would be crazy if he didn't. Remind me to send you. Oh, it's uh, Alden Smith. That's who it is. Alden Smith, I think, might not play this year though. He's already having legal troubles. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah, he, he got he got in trouble this this off season. Oh, um, didn't even see that. Too much is going on that uh, I did not see the radar. Um, well, there you go. Well, we'll see. But yeah, I was like, I know there's another like. Let's remember some guys on this defensive line. Um, yeah, well, we shall see. But I highly encourage you to watch. I might have to go find some like Robert Kim Dichi high school tape for you. He was playing fullback and like running back and goal line stuff. And when I tell you like Kim Dietschy's body and size for a high school kid versus the rest of the high schoolers, it was, it was preposterous. Yeah. I remember when he was was coming out of, just even when he was coming out of the NFL draft or coming into the draft, it was like one of the most ridiculous athletic prospects period. So I can't even imagine what the, what that man looked like as a, as a high schooler. Yeah. Like as a sophomore, he was like six, seven and just Jack, like it just, it looked insane. Like he, it, it did not look fair. Um, it looked like some little giants type stuff with spike and the little giants. Uh, that is a great reference for you folks. Great. Yeah. Love little giants. Did you see little giants growing up? Were you a little giants guy? I was very much so a little giants guy. I loved that movie. I, and what was funny too, is like my dad wouldn't, my dad was very, like he was like a minor league baseball player. So my dad like hmm. ne- never wanted me to play uh, football. Right. Cause he's a baseball player in general. Right. Like wants your kid to follow in your footsteps. Um, but he didn't want me to get hit and stuff. And I remember watching little giants and just being like, so mad. Like, why can't I play? I want to, I want to play. Uh, love that. I loved ice box. Love the annex- annexation of Puerto Rico. Love the 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 Alka Seltzer in the mouth for foaming out of mm-hmm. the mouth. Intimidation. Yeah. Great movie. Classic movie. It holds up. I, I love Little Giants. Um, yeah. Uh, like I I still crack up. Like I, I'm not gonna lie. There are sometimes where I will go if I need a laugh. I'll go to the YouTube clip of uh, Spike's dad 
where he's like where uh al bundy's character why am i blanking on his name um actually in the movie of the two brothers but um his character is uh it's ed o'neill i guess not al bundy but yeah um he's like he's given his pep talk in the backyard of his, his house and spike's dad's like go baby go oh <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, yeah that will never not crack me up when he just puts his hand up okay that's enough like, go baby go um love it so much i i knew dads like that growing up um which naturally leads us evan to our nfc west preview i think it would be wise for us i have a couple questions for each team that i want to get through but i think we should start with your team the San Francisco 49ers. Um, right off the bat, how many games will Jimmy Garoppolo start for San Francisco this year? So, I mean, I think the the best way to answer that is to just talk about what you expect from an injury perspective, right? Uh, I will say this. If he doesn't get injured, I think he plays the entire season. Um, I think even a minor injury, he still probably ends up playing the entire season. Jimmy Garoppolo had a high ankle sprain last year. Normally takes six weeks to come back. He came back two weeks after we've already, you know, we've already talked about this before, but he came back two weeks after that injury, re-injured it. And by the time he was healed up after that, the season was basically over. Right. So uh, I don't consider a high ankle sprain an injury prone type situation, right? Those things don't really last, give lasting damage. Um, He tore his ACL, uh, but it does seem like he's fully healthy from that. Um, was wearing a, you know, a brace in the beginning, but for the most part, looks like he was healthy. I think he's going to come back healthy. I think it's about his mentality, his mental there, his confidence there. Uh, but Jimmy Garoppolo is, I've said it before. I've been saying it on a bunch of podcasts lately. Jimmy Garoppolo has the bet, the best offense he's ever had. And it's most certainly a better football team outside of that cornerback position that we're going to be talking about than the 2019 Super Bowl run. So I do think that people are going to, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to be overt about it. I'm going to try not to be loud about it, but like, I just don't understand how you think Jimmy Garoppolo with Raheem Mostert and now Trey Sermon, who's a monster back, right? And then you bring in Wayne Gallman, who's a very good pass catching back and also a good third down back. Uh, you know, he's a really sneaky good back from the New York Giants. When you have a good running game, which we know what Kyle can do with a good running game, I think this is a better running game than they had the Super Bowl year when they were running the literally like he didn't even have to pass because they were beating the the Vikings. And then you go, okay, well, Brandon Ayuk was one of the best rookie receivers in the NFL last year, one of the highest graded PFF rated receivers last year, especially as a rookie. This is his second year. We're expecting a huge leap from him. Debo Samuel had some injury issues. We're hoping that cleans up, but even if it doesn't, Right. Like there's there's, you know, we got George Kittle back. George Kittle was literally bought blocking 75 percent of the time um, during that Super Bowl run. Obviously, towards the end of the year, he was just basically blocking entirely for that run game. And I don't think he's going to have to do that this year. They drafted two massive massive guards. Aaron Banks is literally bigger than my ego. I think he's about the size of at least, uh, you know, like he's a, he's a tall skyscraper. He's a massive human being. So my rant entitled, I think Jimmy plays the whole year. I, I love uh, Trey Lance. I'm so ridiculously excited for Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance could start week one 
and be perfectly fine. I really think he's that good, especially with Kyle's offense, especially with that run game. But I just think people just are so quick to hate on Jimmy Garoppolo. They're so quick to be like, oh, he couldn't throw that Super Bowl pass. Yeah, okay, he couldn't. He missed it. They lost the Super Bowl, whatever. But he also was efficient as shit with terrible receivers. Dante Pettis, who got cut, right? Kendrick Bourne, who was a, a third, you know, wide receiver three at best. Like these are just, they're not good receivers. So I don't mean to rant too much. This obviously is my football team, but I, I, I think we're going to be all very surprised about Jimmy Garoppolo. It'd be great for the Niners, right? Like, but also like, would it be one of those things where they would trade him before the season to a contender? If they th- like, if he is balling out and he is healthy to now, nah, cause you, you can't, you can't do that. When when Jimmy Garoppolo took a team, won 13 games, went to the Super Bowl, and was arguably two, a couple plays away, if he's got a better team, a better roster this time, I just don't know how you would even risk trading the quarterback during that type of momentum. When well, you don't the team do something similar last year, right, with Fitzpatrick and Tua, where they just pulled the pulled the rug out from under. Fitzpatrick because they were like, oh, sorry, we got to we got to see what we got into it here before the next year's draft because we might have to. Be- How on earth is that the same thing? No, what I'm saying is like teams have to do this and like they are figuring stuff out and they ha- they would like to know sooner rather than later. But we're um, talking about a potential Super Bowl run. If the mm-hmm. 49ers win five of the first six games or four of the first six games, you can't you have to keep going with Jimmy. Well, you can't you can't screw that up. You can't mess up the momentum. Yeah, I guess it depends on internally what you think your realistic chances are. I mean, the NFC is a lot more crowded than the AFC, I would say, too. I I absolutely think that the 49ers, if they get, I mean, once again, and this is the thing that I'm trying, like, I'm just, I'm just waiting for other people to understand what I consider to be very easy logic. Mm -hmm. Jimmy didn't play that great. The the Super Bowl run, like he, he was efficient. Quick passes, short passes. He had a couple. I mean, remember that year he had uh, the high, one of the highest deep ball percentages in the NFL. He didn't throw a lot, but whenever he did throw past 20 yards or whatever, he was hitting them. He had a, a decent year, but it wasn't anything fantastic. And they went to the Super Bowl. They have a better roster this year. How do you not sit there and go, well, if they went to the Super Bowl that year, why can't they do it this year? I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying it's a di- more difficult road. That's what I would say. It's just I, the NFC is loaded. The NFC I think, is still just I, loaded. And your division's loaded, as we'll get to on this podcast. I think the 49ers are going to absolutely be one of the five best teams in the NFL this year. Mm. Um, and the biggest thing with that team is if the 49ers don't do well, it's because of the quarterback. And guess who the fucking backup is? Number three over, overall pick. Trey fucking Lance. Hmm. Not CJ Beathard. Uh, no, I don't know. I, I think he's probably at storming the Capitol or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> you, you can cut that out if you need to. <laughs> uh, really, uh, allegedly. Um, allegedly. Best worst. 
offseason draft move what was your favorite offseason it could be like an offseason move or a draft move or your least favorite for the Niners oh my gosh I mean there's so I mean obviously the best is you got to go Trey Lance right to be you know I mean I feel like obviously that's the layup that's the easy answer um just because right he's arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the draft might even be the most talented overall. Um, it's a big move for the 49ers. You, we've talked about it before. You don't usually have a team with that type of roster and you go out and draft one of the best quarterbacks in the draft. Um, so I think it's a very exciting thing. Um, but there were so many things this year that happened for the 49ers that I think were really exciting. Um, obviously I love the extensions being able to extend Kittle, uh, Trent Williams, Fred Warner, right. That was pretty great. Um, in terms of like free agency stuff. Oh, by the way, they also re-signed Kyle Juszczyk, one of the best, the best fullback in the NFL as well. Um, you know, they, they brought some key pieces back, but I think if I'm like going, okay, right. What is, what is your most exciting thing? I want to say I'll go both sides of the ball. Samson Ibukam, uh, the defensive lineman slash edge rusher from the Rams, is a very good pass rusher. And now he gets to go and play with Nick Bosa. I think that might be one of the most underrated things the 49ers did all year. D Ford, by the way, is is said by some of his teammates to look uh, better than he's looked in an entirely uh, long time. Uh, it looks like he's actually ready for camp. We were all convinced that D Ford was literally going to have to retire, and people are saying he's like genuinely like looking good. So when you have both of those people, I think that's a very exciting thing. So I think the obvious answer, right, is you went out and got Trey Lance, but I am excited to see what Samson Ibukam uh, does next to Nick Bosa. And I think we might even have a better pass rush, uh, the Super Bowl run. Hmm. Well, you're going to need it because this leads me to my next question. The, the difference between Jason Verrett, who is the eighth best corner per PFF last year uh, out wide for San Fran of 121 that qualify opposite of him it looks like emmanuel mosley who mm-hmm. number 73 um are you at all concerned with the drop off there um and also are you more comfortable with williams or mosley at that corner spot opposite of Verrett? so emmanuel mosley has had very high highs and some very low lows whereas i know his ranked very poor last year um, he had some really good games and even the year before that and, and other times um, he has come in and he's had some very good tape. Okay. So I don't think you can lean on that. Um, but I, I, I don't think he's as bad as it seems. And I think he can play good football. He was, you know, he, he was a guy that Richard Sherman really mentored a lot. Jason Verrett's kind of the weird, the, the weird kind of like, Asterisk, if you will. Jason Brett clearly had one of the best years last year as an NFL cornerback, legitimately, right? He like literally was one of the best. He had some of the best pass breakup, um, 
best completion percentages. He just was an absolute beast last year. It was a great story having had all the issues with injuries and things like that. He did. Um, so, you know, I, it all to me comes down to who stays healthy, right? If we get a fully healthy Verrett all year, like we did last year, that gives us a lot of opportunity, right? Dante Johnson, like, you know, I mean, this is a, I'm going to shout out my white claw people, right? Like we make the joke that the mango white claw flavor, uh, I call, I call Dante Johnson, the mango white claw because like, whereas mango white claw is literally in every single pack of white claws. It seems like the second pack, the third pack, right. The whatever Dante Johnson is on every single 49ers team. Like he's gotten cut so many times uh, he has gotten re-signed, you know, all these things, and he just keeps coming back. Um, Dante Johnson and Emmanuel Mosley are going to be kind of those guys. They're going to probably be coming in and out trying to do as good as they can. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, DL Mom Dore uh, Lenore is a defensive back from Oregon. I'm obviously, you know, mm. a big Oregon guy. He, to me, is probably the guy that has the biggest chance of starting right away. Um, he's a, a very, very athletic corner. And I do believe that by the end of the year, uh, if we do have a fully healthy Verrett, uh, Lenore is going to be the, the, the starting corner opposite of him. Uh, outside of that, Ambry Thomas um, probably won't start right away. I mean, it has a lot more of a uphill battle in terms of like, you know, needing to get there, but he's a really good cornerback out of Michigan. Um, we're really excited about him, but not expecting him to play much in the beginning of the year. Maybe not at all this year, depending on how, how everybody else stays. Um, but outside of that, though, you have to forget Jimmy Ward is literally one of the best safeties in the NFL. Uh, Jaquiski Tart. Uh, these guys are, have gone from like struggling as rookies. Like, I don't know if you remember the game yourself, but like Jimmy Ward is like, known infamously for getting baptized by Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey when mm. both of those receivers, it was the first game of the season, the first ever home game at Levi's uh, stadium and Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall were both doubtful to play game time decisions, both ended up playing. And because of Jimmy Ward, they ended up both having like career games yardage wise um, so he's come a long way and is now considered one of the best safeties in the NFL. So I think the cor- the you're not wrong, right? The the backfield um, is going to be the the corners and the defensive backs. Uh, the safeties for the 49ers are definitely going to be probably the biggest area of of worry, uh, but there is definitely reason for hope. Um, running back leader in target carries this year will be who? Evan. It's so hard. It's so you want hard. To say sermon. No, so that's I. I well, I want sermon to be. So here's why I say it's so hard. Wayne Gallman legitimately is like a really good pass catching receiver, right? He is. He was really good last year. So you know, Jeff Wilson's out for six weeks, so it's not going to be him. Um. Raheem Mostert looks like he got he got injured a little bit and he's kind of be coming into camp. Um, so you know who knows, but he was catching the ball a little bit too. Elijah Mitchell is kind of sneaky, right? Elijah Mitchell is like very speedy. He's like almost a little Raheem Mostert, and he's an undrafted free agent. And what does Kyle do with undrafted free agents? 
He turns them into pro bowlers. Yeah. Right. So, you know, in theory, you've got to say, well, Raheem Mostert's going to get the ball the most. Right. Uh, part of me won't get the opportunity. Like it right. is to lose. Yeah. It is. His He's story. earned the trust. But then you go, okay, well, what about Trey Sermon? Trey Sermon is one of the best running backs in the, in the NFL draft list last year. And I've been begging for Kyle Shannon to have actual talent drafted rather than bargain bin shopping. Not, you know, no disrespect to Mostert, but like, you know, when everyone's like, oh, Mostert's one of the best running backs in the NFL. I'm like, well, yeah, that's what Kyle can do with an undrafted free agent. Imagine what he could do with a second rounder. So I think the ball is going to get split up a lot this year between Mostert and Gallman and even Sermon. Um, but if I know my 49ers, and I think I do, I think Wayne Gallman's going to play that Jerick McKinnon role. I think uh, Sermon's going to play that Jeff Wilson role where he's going to only come in if somebody gets injured. Mostert will do the Mostert thing, but Mostert's probably going to get injured like he always does. And then I think Sermon comes in and takes over, and I don't know if he ever gives that position back. We'll have to come, we'll have to come back to this halfway through the year. Mm. I don't know. Uh, fingers crossed for Tevin Coleman. Um, last thing, we'll wrap up the Niners, Evan. Uh, how does the schedule look? When you look at this Niners schedule, what does it feel like to you wins, losses-wise? What stands out to you on this on this schedule? So that's kind of the thing to me that's like that's so great about like the Buccaneers and how, what they get to do as a football team and as fans. It's like when you look at the Tampa Bay Bucks, right? They got all their players back, all their starters come back, and you know what you're getting from with from Tom Brady, right? So it's like you can really look at that schedule and go, okay, well we know what happened last year, what happens this year? There's so many variables with the 49ers that it's really hard to like truly be able to guess. But if I'm guessing, and I do think Jimmy's going to have a great year, you know, I think that he, I think that they beat the the Lions week one. I think they beat the Eagles week two. I think they beat the Packers week three. I think they beat the the Seahawks week four. I think they beat the Cardinals week five. Uh, the Colts, it's hard to tell, but I think they beat them too because I think Wentz sucks. The Bears, I think that they can beat the Bears. I think they can sweep the Cardinals. Maybe, you know, let's say split. They got to lose eventually. Kyler and Murray's exciting. They played the shit out of the 49ers last year, right? We know they're going to beat the Rams because I'm going to be at the game, so it's going to happen. Jaguars, to me, is a win. Vikings is probably uh, up in the air, so I won't really call it. Seahawks will probably split. Uh, Bengals is going to be a win, right? Falcons, what do you think? That's you. Where is it? December 19th. Is it here or is yeah. it? It's in Atlanta. Pretty sure it's in Atlanta. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I seem to recall Niners having success in Atlanta. I would say lost though. I don't think we'll be trending up by that point. Yeah. So, but my point is, it's like we're already 11, 12 games right there. The Titans mm. game is going to be a really tough game. I'll be at that game, by the way, in Nashville. Mm. Wait, are you coming to Nashville? My best friend is a Titans fan, and his birthday is on Christmas or the day after mm. Christmas. So we'll be. Ooh. Well, you got to make a. I, what if Tennessee and the balls are playing Saturday? I know. Uh, I will most definitely be not watching that and be getting hammered in Nashville. Mm. Well, You're welcome to join. Uh, I'm, I, that, that's that's too much West Tennessee. I'm a East Tennessee. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. 
Uh, but, but then they play the Texans and the Rams. So my point is, is I to answer your question, I think they have an extensively large amount of very winnable games this year. I think they have a very easy schedule. I do believe that their strength of schedule was rated as one of the easiest in the NFL. So it's the the 49ers season is prime for the taking. Uh, the Seahawks. Yes or no, this is the last year for Russell Wilson in Seattle. I fucking hope so. Um, I don't think so. I think at the end of the day, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that I see Wilson go anywhere. Um, I, what I do think though is if they really blow it this year, if they really blow it, you might see some other things and it just depends. Does, does Russell Wilson, Wilson really want to leave? Did he really want to go to Chicago? Yes. Is that a thing? If we think that's a thing, then maybe, but like, I think Wilson is so corny, mm-hmm. right? He's the ultimate cornball. Like, mm-hmm. don't you think Wilson wants to, I want to have my career end in Seattle. I want to be a Seahawk for life. Twelves for life. Right? Like that just seems like some shit that Russell Wilson would say. What do you think? I think he wants to go to a bigger market. I think he wants to get out of the West Coast. I, I could see him just being, I don't know. I think there's a reason the Jets were on that list. The Giants, the Bears, the the Saints. I think they're, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not sure. Like, I think Russell Wilson just strikes me as somebody that um, is ready to move. I think it would be a little bit more difficult if the Super Bowl stuff did not go differently. Like, him having the Super Bowl win doesn't give him any kind of, worry like he gave seattle a super bowl so like when you're guys like that in that position uh, i think you get a little bit you feel a little bit better about the whole legacy thing of like i don't it's not like i have to stay here it's no unfinished business like matt stafford in detroit or something like it's it's like no i i got you a title um and i went to another and lost in crazy fashion i guess that was kind of my fault but whatever um do you think they contend they can contend with this defense offense disparity I mean, I have watched them contend for 10 years while having a very subpar team. Well, I mean, in the first five years, they had the Legion of Boom. But like recently... Well, that's what I'm re- saying. Like, they're just so offensive heavy now, and they bring in Shane Walden from uh, L.A. to recreate McVay's offense. But Pete Carroll's a defensive guy, and this defense stinks. And I, I don't know. You look at Trey Flowers, who was one of the worst pass coverage corners in football last year, and you got questions there. You got questions the defensive line. You talk about Alden Smith and Carlos Dunlap and just questions all across that defensive line. You got Bobby Wagner, which is great. He's elite, but I mean, how much can he and Jamal Adams really, really do to keep this thing going? And then you look at Chris Carson. Chris Carson's actually just when he's healthy, really great. It's not just because he went to my high school. Like that's, that's an irrelevant part of it, but um, I don't know. I, I am curious how much shame Walden makes a difference here and whether or not the, the Seahawks can realistically make it out of the NFC with a below average defense. For me, I was so once again, the, the, if the question is, can the Seahawks compete? I think they always can compete. Well, I You're guess they not, should re, like, it's not about whether they can compete. No, that's what like, I'm saying, though. What you just said, though, is what I think we were talking about. Can they make it out of the NFC West? And to that, I say hell fucking no. Yeah. Be- because the 49ers to me, and I think I, I hope I did a good job of explaining it. I think I did. But I think the 49ers are going to be a powerhouse this year. 
And I genuinely am terrified of Matthew Stafford with the Rams. I think Stafford's a significantly better quarterback than Jared Goff. I think we saw what Sean McVay was able well, to hold that. do. Let's hold that. We're going to get to the Rams in a second. So, but okay. But to answer your question, the Seahawks have to get past the Rams and the 49ers. A, and they didn't feet, get past them last they, year. Like it's easy to forget, but they couldn't. It was harder any. this year too. Yeah. So no, I think it's a, absolutely no. I agree. When you look at the schedule, so they got a rough patch. It starts off easy and then, or it starts off hard. So I think people are going to talk themselves in. Like when I look at the schedule, I think people are going to talk themselves into it at the end of the season because I think the Seahawks are going to go on a run. They're going to struggle early on, kind of like what they did last year. And they're going to figure some stuff out because after um, going or after getting the Niners at home on December 5th, they get a primetime game. They get the Texans on the road, the Rams. The Bears at home, who will probably be starting a rookie quarterback at home. The Lions, the worst team in the NFC, and a Cardinals team that may have already fired their coach by this point. Like they, that's four or five games down the stretch they're probably gonna be favored in. And if they're around five hundred by that point, they'll be looking at four to five games over. And they're like, oh, they're getting hot at the right time. There's a lot of getting hot at the right time vibes with the Seattle schedule for me. Yeah, I mean. It won't be real, I guess is what this, I'm saying. This, listen, no fall from grace in the NFL is ever graceful, you know? So I, uh, the Seahawks are going to have to come down uh, soon. And I think if they – yeah, I mean, they'll have a very fun offense next year. I'll say uh, – this year, I'll say that. Um, the Rams, we talked about them a little bit. Uh, lost Brandon Staley to the Chargers. Just moving a little bit over. Um, placed him with my guy Raheem Morris. Um, I think he's close with McVay. I seem to recall back going going back to Washington and and all that. But um, Matt Stafford, obviously the big thing there. But they lose Cam Akers um, for the year, so he's gone. But I think he'll be okay. Like people keep talking about Todd Gurley, and I'm like, Daryl Henderson's awesome. Like, what are you doing? Like, he's just sitting there. Just it's fine. Like, you don't need to do anything. I think they're actually okay at running back. Um, they did also win a playoff game last year with Jared Goff, though. Like, this offense was unbearable. And I I don't know. I think it's, like, not even, like, a slam dunk that they go farther because the NFC is loaded. But do you think Stafford this year advances the Rams farther than where Jared Goff got them last year? Yeah. I mean, I don't know about that question because I don't know that <laughs> – I don't. So those are very apples to oranges to me. Mm-hmm. I think I don't know if Stafford can get as far this year because of how strong the division is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think they can definitely get the playoffs. Yeah. But this play, this playoff is the, the new playoff. You know, injury is kind of weird, right? So I just I don't think Jared Goff got them to where they got last year. I think there was a lot of things that got them to where they got last year. Mm-hmm. But I do think for the Rams this year. I think Matthew Stafford can really have his hand on the wheel with how well the team does mm-hmm. in a way that Jared Goff never could. Yeah. Do you like the Morris at DC to replace Staley? Are you at all concerned that Brandon Staley put together this number one PFF defense last year? Um, or are you just like, nah, Jalen's back. Uh, Aaron Donald's back. They're going to be fine. You know, I mean, shout out to Brandon Staley. He's a great coach. Um, and obviously the Chargers have 
become my, you know, probably second favorite team. Uh, you know, as I, my AFC team, shout out to Justin Herbert. Um, but I think you said it yourself on this podcast. I don't know. So like, yeah, well, no, I'm talking about me, not you. you, I understand your love for Joe Burrow and you'll, you'll hear all about that when the 49ers play the Bengals. Mm. Um, are we doing, do we already do our AFC North preview? We haven't actually. So no, not yet. Not yet. But, um, I just think that what you're talking about, right? Aaron Donald's the best NFL player in the the NFL. He's right. Overall, the number one best player in the NFL. Um, I can't find many. I can find many other ways to say that. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, Jared, excuse me. uh, Jalen Ramsey is probably, you know, the best cornerback in the NFL or one of Um, those two play very well together. Uh, I'm just curious to see what, like, (laughs) did you know who Samson Ibukam was? No. Because I certainly didn't when we signed him. And then all of a sudden I started hearing about all these feats that Samson did last year and how well he played and how honestly, like really underrated he was. And that's kind of the thing I'm curious about the Rams. It's also amazing. They were 13th in offense with all the problems last year. Like they had a lot of offensive problems and they were still 13th and the defense was first. Um, I think there's a real chance that the defense falls back to like seventh or eighth, but with Donald and Ramsey, I think it's just too much talent. And also just like Darius Williams has actually been really good opposite of Jalen. Um, and I think he'll be great next to him again this year. But uh, I don't know. I think they're looking like a team that will be top 10 in both. And I think they're real Super Bowl contenders. I really do. I think they have a really good shot of making out of the NFC. And if I had to do it, NFC, like, if I had to bet my life on most likely to reach Super Bowl of the four NFC West teams right now, it would be one Rams, two Seahawks, three Niners, four Cardinals. I know that might irritate you, but it's really just because I don't know if Garoppolo is going to be healthy, and I don't know if it's going to be a rookie quarterback in Week 13. Like I think that's a still a real possibility. So they have to be lower than Wilson and Stafford for me. But um, Cardinals, we'll get to in a second. It's very a, a distant four for me right now, especially after moving on from Chandler Jones and bobbling that situation. And uh, D Hop might not even playing this year. Uh, but yeah, do you think that is a fair assessment? I mean, I wholly disagree with your Super Bowl take. Mm-hmm. I, not, and I don't think that's really just because of, you know, my opinion with the 49ers. I, like I, I'm obviously not doing a good enough job selling it because I, I thought I really did. And apparently you didn't believe no. a single fucking word I said. Um, but yeah, I just... <laughs> I think the Rams lost a lot of internal pieces that we might not know about. I think Cam Akers is a big loss. Everyone's like, so. yeah, so, well, okay. But like, here's the thing, man. And here's what you have to understand. And it, you can look at the counterpart because it's the same thing with the Rams as it is with the 49ers. You have to have depth at that running back position. Sure. The 49ers. Been. Okay. okay well, good. No matter what, no, you're meant. <laughs> depth doesn't mean, do they have a backup? Depth means do they have a large pool of players that they can take off of? You just lost your best running back. So your depth, if you have three good running backs, you just lost 33% of your pool. That's a large drop in depth because you don't have 33% of your pool anymore. They keep saying, oh, they like Daryl Henderson. They like Daryl Henderson. I think on Twitter I saw analysts and just people in general say they like Dar. I think they like Daryl Henderson like 400 times. A lot of Memphis, dude was a monster. He's a little bowling ball. 
Daryl Henderson should play well next year, especially with Sean McVay. We know what he can do in that Mike, you know, that Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan offense. But when you lose your best running back, who they expected a lot of this year, that pool gets much more shallow and you don't have as much to go off of. And I think the same thing can be said for some of the Rams, um, you know, uh, free agent losses, right? Like, Sure, you got Matt Stafford, and we got to expect a lot out of Matt Stafford and Sean McVay's offense. But what happened to the little pieces with the Rams team? Mm. I don't know. I think they're fine. Like I, I'm concerned about Rapp and Fuller out back. They don't really have – their linebacker situation is some of the worst in football. Um, I don't love their pass rush. I don't know how you feel about Leonard Floyd, but the de- it's just amazing when you look at that defense. Not a lot that scares you outside of Donald and Ramsey, but they do scare you a lot. Um, offensively, I'm just most concerned when I'm. It's not uh, Cam Akers, it's Whitworth, and we saw what that team. Di- ha- what happens when you lose him? And he's in year what, like right fifteen? I think it's year fifteen for him because I think he came out of LSU in 06. Um, but. He's really great when he's playing left tackle, but like you, this offensive line needs him. Stafford needs him. Like this whole thing, like Whitworth has to be really year. Like they have to keep that dude healthy. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, when you talk about their offensive line, right? We're looking at Austin Corbett, who's played you know well at guard. Um, Rob Havenstein's good. Rob Havenstein is good. I mean, he's six eight three thirty. Damn well, better be. Um, like but you know, looking I, in a mirror for me, it just—I don't know, man. It's—that's kind of the thing I'm talking about. And I—I I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but like, sure, there there's some exciting pieces in there, and you look at Matt Stafford, and that's great. But like, how do you feel about that offensive line? How do you feel about their receivers? How do you I like feel about a lot? I like so Cup. okay. Like so obviously, you you like Sean Cup Jackson. And I'm going to forget. Is it Ram for? The, at least five weeks into the season. Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson is not going to do anything <laughs> on that team. He is like 400 years old. But seriously, but he though, was good in 2019. Like he was objectively. You're going to get the same good. thing you get out of Deshaun Jackson for the last three years. You'll get a couple bombs. That's it. But I mean, that's I think all they're asking to do, right? I guess maybe, but I mean, like we'll see. I am. I will say this: Robert Robert Woods is a very solid receiver. I think he's a very solid receiver. Cooper mm-hmm. Cup is consistently just a fucking demon. Um, I'm concerned about Van Jefferson. I was pretty high yeah. on him coming out of Florida. He hasn't done anything. I wonder if he gets gets some opportunities. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the last team, a team that we both are, I think, out on um, the Cliff Kingsbury experience, but a lot's going into that year. I like Kyler a lot. I just, I don't know the Chandler Jones stuff hot like everything about the cardinal scares me right now um what what do you, what about you what do you think of the offseason that they have had um do you think this is the last year of cliff kingsbury in arizona i don't think it's the last year but i i mean for for not my sake but for kyler's sake i hope it is the last year um I think there's definitely some good pieces there that they added in terms of like, you know, Rodney Hudson, great center. Um, You know, Marcus Golden resigning is not that big of a deal to me. Uh, Malcolm Butler, I'm not necessarily sure how I feel about that. Uh, Malcolm Butler could be at least a decent signing, but you're looking at getting rid of Patrick Peterson. So, I mean, is that a wash? I think it might even be less than. 
Mm. Um, I don't know what the J.J. Watt thing does for me. If Chandler Jones is gone, it doesn't do shit. I'll tell you that much. Yep. I think a lot of people are just going to see the name in this. Like, J.J. Watt is not nearly, nearly as important because we know how many snaps he's going to play versus right. Chandler Jones. Like, losing Chandler Jones is huge. And also, they lost Hassan Riddick as well. They they really, yeah. So, they lose Hassan Riddick, right? They they obviously lost Kenyon Drake. Is that a is that a big thing, big loss? Who knows? So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Budabaker's great. We should mention Baker's Buda great. Baker's great. Um... But outside of like Isaiah Simmons, I guess is fine. Jordan Hicks is well, not good. No, but Isaiah Simmons, Simmons is not fine because they still don't know what the fuck they're doing with him. Yeah. What I will say is though is Byron Murphy is a beast. He's a little demon too. The corner from Washington. Mm-hmm. He had a, he played great last year. Like he uh, it, oh, it infuriates me how great he played last year, and he played that well last year specifically. That's why Patrick Peterson is gone. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm interested in if aj green has anything left in the tank i'm excited to see that he's just someone i've always wanted to see aj green has nothing he has less than nothing i'm not a believer in the james connor stuff like he was bad last year and i don't i don't, I don't think that really so shout out to friend of the pod stephanie smalls mm-hmm. um we actually talked about this pretty extensively um james connor's such a weird situation because his first year as a rookie, when the lights were shining on him brightly because they were asking him to replace the best running back in the t- at that time in the NFL, Le'Veon Bell, he played very well. He obviously had a lot of good pieces in there. Antonio Brown, Juju, right? Like he had a good situation and supporting cast to make his job a little bit easier. So I think we've seen him play very well and very good football, but obviously he struggled mightily last year when they didn't have as much help. I think James Conner is going to do more with Kyler Murray and how how quick and fast and mobile that Kyler is than he did with Ben Roethlisberger. I should. I expect us to see an uptick in James Roger, James Conner. I think if you're a fantasy football player, you take James Conner. If you can get him, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, he's gonna play better than he played last year, right? I don't know. Depends on that offensive line. We'll see. Um, this schedule, like, I just, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and predict. Um, it is July 27th. I'm gonna predict that the Cardinals clean house, the Bidwells clean house this offseason. I think this is gonna be a disaster. Uh, with Cliff. Do you think they have the balls to admit defeat on uh, Cliff that fast? Yeah, because I don't like the offense isn't good enough. Like they were what 18th last year. Like it's, it, it, the one thing that he was going to bring, where you're like, I'm not sure about his uh, coach acumen, but we know the offense is going to be elite. It's like no, it hasn't. Like it, and it wasn't not only that, but it was like all it was was Kyler. Yeah, like I I don't think he's shown nearly nearly enough to warrant um, another year. Because the NFC West is just too tough. And can I t- let me run through their schedule? And you can count the ones here. You ready? Tennessee on the road to open. Loss, right? Oh, yeah. Vikings at home. I think that's a loss. Vikings are better. Um, yeah. At Jacksonville. That's kind of a toss up. I'll give them that. I'm giving them that. Yeah. One and two. At Rams. That's a loss. Niners at home. That's a loss. One and four right there. At Cleveland. 
That's a loss. One and five. Here we go. Hot seat for Arizona. Like, I don't know how they don't start off on the hot seat. Houston at home. That's a win. Two and five. Packers at home. On That's prime a loss. Time. Two and six at San Francisco. That's a loss. Two and seven. Panthers. At well, home. let's give that to them, though, because once again, they – I mean, I don't want to give it to them, but I think it's fair to say they genuinely play – very hard against the 49ers and the 49ers did struggle last year with Robert Sala with a mobile quarterback. So you tell me, do we give that to him? Let's give them one split. Yeah. Let's split it. Three. Okay. Um, so what is that? Three wins? Yeah. Okay. Carolina. I think that's a loss. Okay. Still three at Seattle in late November. Yeah. I think that's a loss. At Chicago in December, this offense in a freezing cold soldier field. I mean, that in Dece- by December, Justin Fields is playing, so that's yeah. a loss. Okay. Still at three here, by the way. Rams at home. Primetime. That's a loss. <laughs> at Detroit. That's definitely a win. So we're at four. Colts at home. That's a loss. At Dallas. That's a loss. Seattle at home to finish the year. That's a loss. Four and 13. They can split any of the NFC West games, so you can give them a three-game a three game swing. And they're still um, one seven. Best case scenario is seven and ten. Yeah, the best case scenario is seven or eight games, genuinely. And, like, if they have seven or eight games, like... They're gone. Like, Cliff's gone. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. The schedule's not good. This is a bad schedule for the Cardinals. Bad, bad schedule for uh, Kingsbury if he's looking to save his job. Um, what? Uh, how do you see it unfolding? I'll make my prediction. I think it ends up being Rams. I think Rams win the division. I think Seahawks get a wild card now. So I think the Niners get a wild card. And the Cardinals are awful. That is my prediction. What about you? Oh, I think the 49ers win the division handedly. The Rams are pretty close. I'd say two games behind. Um, and then most definitely from there, uh, it's going to be the Seahawks. Seahawks probably win 10 games, maybe. I'd say 10 games. we got an extra game this year. Um, and then after that, they uh, <laughs> I'm going to see the Cardinals with like four or five wins. Yeah, I just it's going to be bad for them. It's going to be a bloodbath um, in Zona. In Zona. Um, all right, man. Where do we go next week? We we have finished the NFC, right? Or do we still have one more? Who have we forgotten? We forgot anybody? Oh, the East. We have to do the East next week. Yeah, we'll have to. We'll see. We'll see if Steph Smalls is uh is available to come back on the pod and talk NFC NFC East and her Giants. Yeah. Ugh. I will not be kind. Be my she she really has faith. I God know. bless her. I mean, she should. That division's awful. Just awful. Um, but we'll we'll get to it. Um, Evan Swords, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for making the time. Uh, we can find you on Twitter at Evan underscore Swords. Anything you would like to plug as we wrap up here tonight? Just just plug, plug in the Chase Thomas podcast, boys. Oh, yeah. Shout out to 49ers Hub. Uh, follow me on Twitter. So, because uh, I have like, I think a quarter of my 9,000 followers and I, w- I want all of them back. I will come find you motherfuckers. So help me. God, no, no. Yeah, man. Appreciate you having me on. All right, buddy. Well, 
You can listen to Evan and I every single Monday night talking all things NFL. We'll have a different guest. If it uh, might be Stephanie Smalls, it might be uh, Giants beat writer than Evan mind. It might be uh, Cal. It, it could be Dalton. You could bring Dalton back. We could bring Dalton back on. That'd be great. We could bring Dalton back. Um, Always like Dalton. There you go. <laughs> Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.